Jesus Christ. The world cried out so desperately. The baby boy was the reply. His heaven's reply was a baby boy. Christmas. I want to thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you're in the parking lot, we still have some of our members that are in the parking lot. Everyone watching online, thank you so much for everyone that makes it possible for us to have an online service. And everyone here in attendance, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We're going to ask you to stand and just turn around and wave at your neighbor and welcome them to the house of the Lord this morning.
Good morning. Uh, Sharon McKee is going to come. She's on her way out, and she's going to share with you this morning about an opportunity that you have as a church family to reach out to your family and friends and share your faith with them this holiday season. Sharon, you share with us. You can be seated. Okay, I was not planning on not having something to lean on. <laughs> But what an exciting time of year this is, isn't it? And I am most grateful for Jesus. He was the babe that was born, who came to live, and then most important, he led me and he died for me to know him at the age of four. At four years of age, I knelt beside my mom's bed. And I still remember it to this day because my daddy had just told me a good news club story about Jesus dying for my sins. So today, I have two quick announcements for you. If you have children and you were not here last week, please pick up your Christmas pack. There's great big envelopes and they're just full of things for your kids to do. They cannot say to you, mom and dad, during Christmas season, I don't have anything to do, okay? <laughs> because those packets, they've got coloring, they've got cutting, they've got things in the kitchen to do. So be sure you pick those up. There's a pack for the younger kids and a pack for the older kids. And then secondly, we also gave out envelopes to the kids last week. And today we have um, if they were not here and got a gift last week, there's a gift for them, but there's also another special gift for them today for Christmas. And last but not least, parents, and this is for you too, kids, but mostly for mom and dad. Who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? And would you like a creative way and a real special way to share that with them? Pastor Mark has these, and we have a whole table out there. Mr. McKee and I have been tying ribbons and all kinds of things for how many days this week, and there's a, probably over 300 or more. So my challenge to you is don't take one, okay? Don't take one because I want you to keep one for yourself. But take, think about, Lord, who can I share this with? And let me tell you what it says, because this is what is so special. Andy Kane does all the witnessing for you. And, you know, sometimes, even as many years as Mrs. McKee's knowing Jesus, and even though I work with kids all the time and tell them about Jesus, sometimes when I go out and I see somebody, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to tell them about Jesus. But this will help you not be afraid because you're going to hand them this. And this is what this candy cane represents. The candy cane is in the shape of a shepherd's staff. Jesus is our good shepherd, and his children are his sheep. They know his voice, and they follow him. But then the candy cane also is a J if you turn it upside down. And that J is the first letter of Jesus' name. And we celebrate Christmas. Why? Because it's Jesus' birthday. Well, the candy cane is really hard, too. It's really hard to break unless you drop it. And that tells me Jesus is my rock. He's my strength. He's my protection. 
Well, and when you look carefully at the candy cane, you'll see that there's a great big wide red strip. That tells you of Jesus' blood that he shed on the cross just for you to give you eternal life. And then there's three narrow red stripes because God is three people in one. He's our Father, He's the Son who died for us, and He's the Holy Spirit that if you've asked Him into your life, He's with you every single day and night. And then the white on the candy cane reminds us that when Jesus comes into our life, He takes our sin away, He makes us clean and as white as snow. And we sure all do need that, don't we? Now, you can tell that same story to somebody else by taking as many as you want today. I don't want any left on the table when I leave this morning. And take them and just, oh, I know a neighbor. Oh, I have an uncle. Oh, I have a kid down the street. You can give this to anyone. So the Lord bless you, and thank you so much for loving Jesus, especially during his birthday time. Thank you, Sharon. At, at this time, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And um, we want to remember the George Bard family. George passed away. His funeral services will be this Tuesday. And then Judy Davis, she's really critical. Uh, you, many of you know Billy and Judy. Uh, Judy's really critical, and we want to lift her up in prayer. And let's pray for her and her family and, and what she's facing. Also, uh, the Warren family, you know, Dwayne passed away last week. We want to remember Linda and them as they're, they're healing and at home. Pray for them for their comfort as they're going through a time of, of grief. And many of you maybe have lost a loved one, and you know someone who has. Let's remember them this morning during this holiday season. But I want to share with you a verse, Matthew 1, 21. The angel was speaking to Joseph, and he said these words. He says, And you, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Aren't you glad that Christ come to save you from your sins? Died for you to give you eternal life? That's why we celebrate this season, because Jesus died for us. Come to die for us that we might have eternal life. Let us pray together. Father, we want to thank you this morning for who you are. We want to thank you that we're reminded, Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, that we celebrate a risen Savior, Christ the Lord. We want to thank you for the wonderful gift that you've given us. It's called eternal life, and we want to thank you, Lord, that we're saved and born again because of your mercy and your grace to take away our sin. We want to thank you for that this morning. And Father, we want to pray for the families in need this morning. We want to pray, Father, for the Bard family, Lord, for Arbutus and them as they're going through a difficult time. Father, we want to pray for Judy. I pray that, God, that you'd raise her up if it be your will. I pray that you would touch her and, God, help her right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, we pray this morning that you would bless this time of worship. Lord, may you be glorified, and, Father, may you be honored. And, Lord, as Sharon has challenged us this morning to share our faith with our family and friends, just with a simple candy cane, may we do that this holiday season. Because in sharing Jesus, someone, 
might hear the greatest news they've ever heard and come to faith and be saved and born again. That's the reason that we celebrate this season. And Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, for 
Was that not a blessing? Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. What a wonderful set of music. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 26 through 38. So if you will stand with me, we're going to be talking this morning about Gabriel's announcement to uh, Mary. And notice what verse 26 says. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, and if you'll notice the word sixth month, that relates back to the previous verses, was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considered, and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren, for with God nothing is impossible. Now notice how Mary responded to this. This little teenage girl, scholars say between 12 and 16. This is how she responded. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What a young girl. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you uh, for Luke's gospel. Father, we thank you most of all for Jesus. Father, what a difference this young child made in world history. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus for, for their salvation, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Father, for Christians all over this auditorium, online, in our communities, Father, I pray that we would respond to your will the same way Mary did. Let it be so according to your word. Only true joy is found in surrendering to the sovereignty of God for our lives. And Father, I pray that that would be our answer to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I don't know about you, but don't show the picture yet, but the picture I'm about to show you can bring several different reactions. Now, notice the picture on the screen. This can bring incredible shock. For some people, just a little bit of sadness. But for most of us, what should it bring? Joy. Every gift, every child that is born, regardless of how that child is conceived, is the gift of God, and all of God's people said, Amen, they are. Now think about this. In Mary's day, she had no way of having one of these, right? God did for her something that this couldn't do. God sent an angel. God sent Gabriel to a little town called Nazareth. Isn't it amazing? unlikely place unlikely girl and God is telling her on this day you got to understand to a young girl in her teens early teens you're you're going to be pregnant you're going to be pregnant and this should bring incredible joy to the entire world Spurgeon put it this way about the birth of Christ the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ into this world 
is a wellspring of pure, unmingled joy. We associate his crucifixion much of sorrowful regret, but we derive from his birth at Bethlehem nothing but delight. His birth is the grandest light of human history, the sun in the heavens of all time. It is the pole star of human destiny, the hinge of chronology, the meeting place of waters of the past and the future. Jesus was virgin born so we might become born again. He was the son of God so that we might become children of God. And the way I want to look at these verses, these several verses here is this. I want to look at four different people in this text. The first one is Gabriel. And Gabriel is God's messenger. Notice in verse 26, and it'll be on the screen. Now the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This is the second time in this chapter that a holy angel appears. Nobody, as we noticed two weeks ago, nobody had seen an angel for over 400 years. The Old Testament had been silent for 400 years. Nobody had heard a word from God in over 400 years. There hadn't been a miracle in over 400 years. There hadn't been a sequence of miracles in over 500 years. That was the unmiraculous tedium that was broken by this supernatural event. God hasn't sent an angel. God hasn't done a miracle. God hasn't said a word for centuries. Then an angel in Luke chapter 1, the previous verses, sent an angel, appeared to a man named Zacharias, and he said this, you'll have a son. If you read the previous verses, he was serving in the temple. The angel appeared to him. Both of them were in their 70s or 80s. They were old. She was barren. And the angel said to Zacharias, a miracle will happen to you. He didn't believe it, and God struck him mute. He said, if you don't believe me, you're not going to speak, but this is going to happen. Because God does as he pleases. Right? And this is what the angel said to Zechariah. Your son will have a, your, your wife will have a miraculous uh, uh, conception because after your time at the temple is over, you're going to go back to her and she's going to become pregnant. And your son will be the forerunner, the announcer, the herald of the Messiah. His name will be John the Baptist. Now notice in verse 26, it says, now in the sixth month. Now in the sixth month. This is not the sixth month of the year. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Because in verse 24, God promised to Zacharias that it had came true. In verse 23, it says, After the days of Zacharias' priestly service were over, he went home and Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. She kept herself in seclusion for five months. And verse 26 is just the sixth month. And then it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, two angels are mentioned in the Bible. Michael, the archangel, who is also often associated with supernatural power. And then Gabriel. Gabriel is God's messenger. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 10, when the messenger comes from God, it's Gabriel. The only time that God gives messages, it seems like in the Bible, he's speaking through Gabriel. And this message is so critically important that it is Gabriel who brings it. Verse 26 says this, this angel named Gabriel was sent from God. Now think about this. Millions and billions of angels. And God sends Gabriel to a city in Galilee, Nazareth. He left the throne of heaven to go to Nazareth. Not Rome, not Egypt, not Babylon, but Nazareth of Galilee. Think about that. To a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Notice, notice this map in Jesus' day. Notice that uh, Nazareth, you have lower Galilee and you have upper Galilee. This was a city, this was a place of about 20 little towns or cities. And if you notice, Upper Galilee was a Gentile area. It was called the darkest spot in Israel because of the unbelief. As a matter of fact, Capernaum is there near the, near the Sea of Galilee. 
And Jesus did a lot of miracles there. And this is what Jesus told Capernaum. He said, he said to Capernaum, if the miracles that were done here had been done in Sodom, they would have repented. And then Jesus says this, listen to this. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for you. This is the area Jesus was born. Galilee. J Justin shared this verse last week in Isaiah. In Galilee of the Gentiles, upper. All right? Upper, and it goes down to the lower. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And what Isaiah was prophesying, in this wicked, dark place, the darkest place in Israel, Jesus will come. Galilee means a circuit, a little group of 20 cities, the entire northern region of Israel. In those days, as you see, there were Upper Galilee, which was the Gentiles. It was the most ir irreligious, despised place in Israel. Literally, it's the place where Samaritans had their culture. The Romans had a garrison there because it was so wicked. And you would literally, if you wanted to do business there, they would call you unclean. Jesus came to the darkest place of Israel. But notice what Jesus said about himself in John 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then it says, in Galilee, to a place called Nazareth. There was a proverb in those days which went this way. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus was, was here in Nazareth. It was his name on the cross. At the tomb, the angel said this, Are you looking for Jesus of Nazareth? This, this thought of coming from Nazareth stayed with him his whole life. And I would say this to you. It doesn't matter where you were born or how you were brought up. God is not limited by your past, your upbringing, or where you live. Amen? Listen. It doesn't matter where you were born or who you were born to or how you were brought up or where you were brought up. God is not limited to your past or your upbringing. As a matter of fact, God seems to use the most unlikely people. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said this, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God uses average people. God uses average people like us to do biblical, eternal, extraordinary things that expand the kingdom and bring glory to God. Aren't you thankful for that? God, the first person we see here is Gabriel, God's messenger. Out of all the billions of angels God, God could have picked, he picked Gabriel. The most important messenger, it seems like, in the Bible. And sends him to the most unlikely place on earth to talk to the most unlikely person on the planet. The second person here is Mary. And what you got to understand about Mary is this is so important. Look at the second part of that. Mary was God's choice. God is sovereign and does as he pleases. You got to understand from the get-go, Mary was a good, godly girl, but there's there a bunch of good, godly girls in Israel. There were. God sovereignly chose this young lady. God sovereignly chose her. She was God's choice. Notice verse 27. The Bible makes this statement. Mary, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, which is so important. Joseph had to be of David. We read that a, a couple weeks ago. 
The virgin's name was Mary. The angel comes down from the presence of God, comes down to the region of Galilee, to the little town of Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. Look at the word virgin. Listen to what the word virgin means. Pure, fresh, untouched, unmarred by human hands, one who has had no sexual relations of any kind. Probably depicted almost every Jewish girl in Israel, for the most part. She was a virgin. God wants you to understand that she was a virgin. No man had touched her. Because Jesus Christ had to be virgin born. This word is never used of a married woman. Now think, listen to this. The differences in cultures. According to Roman law, the minimum age, minimum age for girls to be engaged and married was 12 years old. Man, think about that. For boys whom we know developed slower, it was 14. The Jews basically practiced that law. Now notice, to a virgin, which means she had not been touched, she was, she was intimate, she was pure, okay, just like most Jewish girls of that day, and just like most Jewish girls of that day, at her age, probably 12, 13, 14, 15, she was betrothed. Betrothed. Betrothal was a binding legal relationship, and it was arranged by the parents. Mom and dad picked out your husband or wife. What a blessing. They came along and said, listen, one scholar said it was a legal document. Parents agreed that their children would marry and it would occur soon, soon after puberty. The difference in cultures. Now listen, one scholar put it this way. During the betrothal period, there was no sexual relationship during the period of the betrothal, which usually lasted a year. The couple did not live together, but only death or divorce could sever the contract. Now understand the, the spot Joseph was put in. That's why God sent an angel to Joseph. He says, she's pregnant, don't divorce her. Basically is what he's saying. Don't, don't, don't do it. Something bigger than you is happening here, Joseph. Because Joseph could have, during this betrothal period, he would have literally had to have divorced her. The couple did not live together. Only death or divorce could sever the contract. If the man died, the betrothed girl would be considered a widow. That's how important a betrothal period was. All right? And during that year, the girl would prove her faithfulness by not giving herself to anyone else. She would prove her faithfulness. She would, provide, she would prove her purity. And during that same year, the boy would prepare a home for her, a place for her, usually with an addition to his father's house. Kind of reminds me of John 14. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you under my, myself. In my father's house are many what? Mansions. You know what the word mansion means in the Greek? It means a room. A place. Jesus said, I prepare a place in my father's house. Joseph, during the betrothal period, went back to his father's house because you didn't have land. It's kind of like Alexander County. You couldn't get land anywhere. All right, You had to know somebody. And so he would go to his father's house and build a place for them onto his father's house. And then after that, uh, at the beginning of that year, at the end of that year, during the betrothal year, when they were 13 or 14 probably, there would be a wedding feast that usually lasted seven days when everybody came together and celebrated for seven days. The kind of thing that Jesus was at in John 2, it was recorded that he was at the wedding. Remember, they ran out of wine. Why? Because it lasted so long. It says here, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Joseph, but it does tell us that he was of royal blood of the house of David. That's all that's important about Joseph is that he was in the line of David. He was of the descendants of David. He had Davidic DNA. He was of the royal line. 
MacArthur put it this way, Jesus was born of a father who was royalty in his blood. Though he was not his father physically, he was his father legally, a humble Galilean carpenter, interestingly enough, in an obscure town called Nazareth with royal blood. And I would say this to Mary, to you, you thinking about Mary, with God's choice comes God's blessing. The verse is not on the screen, but look at verse 28. The Bible says this, And having come in, the angel said to her, now, now, just stop right there at that comma. This separates Catholics from evangelicals. This, this phrase, think about that. It separates our two belief systems. Look, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord, Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. One verse. Somebody stakes their whole denomination on it or their whole faith on it. The Roman Catholic statement says this, Hail Mary, favored one. They translate it, Hail Mary, full of grace. Now listen to this. This misunderstanding of the meaning of this verse by the Roman Catholic Church has spawned an incredibly blasphemous system. They pray to Mary, basically worship Mary, which is idolatry. And I would say this, the wise men, when they came into the house in Matthew chapter 2, they didn't worship Mary. They didn't bring gifts for Mary. Matter of fact, they didn't notice Mary, but they worshiped Jesus. Amen? One scholar put it this way. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that Mary is full of grace, which she bestows on others. She is the source of grace. That's not what the angel said. Mary was not the source of grace. Mary was the recipient of grace. Hail, favored one. You've been favored by God. You've been given grace by God. You see, there wasn't anything worthy about her. You cannot go to Mary and receive grace. Mary cannot hear anybody's prayers. Only God hears our prayers. Mary cannot hear the prayers of anyone. Neither can any other glorified saint. Mary has no grace to give. She's not the giver of grace. She is a receiver of grace. What the angel is saying to Mary is this. You're going to receive God's grace, which I'm going to freely give you. She was highly graced because God chose her. God chose her. She was to be receiving the grace that God alone could give. This grace would come because the Lord, the Bible says here, the Lord is with you in verse 28. The Lord is with you. Mary was God's choice. Blessed are you among women because God has chosen you. Just like Noah, nothing special about Noah, but Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart. Nothing special about David, but there's a lot special about his God. Notice verse 30 and 31. The angel goes on to say this. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Notice the word favor. Highly favored one. Do you want your life to be this way? But I'll say this. With favor comes the consequences of favor. You have been favored. I have chosen you. With that comes incredible responsibility. Mary was pregnant and knew not a man. You think the gossip tree is bad in Alexander County and Facebook if a young girl gets pregnant? Imagine if the young girl got pregnant and said, I, don't even, I hadn't even been with a guy. Imagine how much worse it was in her day. This stayed with Mary till she died. As a matter of fact, when the Jewish leaders came to Jesus, you know what they said? We know who our father is. You were born in fornication, Jesus. Stayed with Mary her whole life. So who wants favor? Everybody wants favor, but they don't want, to, want what comes with it. Everybody. Everybody wants to be a missionary, but they don't want to go overseas. Everybody wants to be an evangelist, but they don't want to preach. 
listen, do not be afraid, Mary, if you found favor with God. Along with that favor comes everything else with it. She had peer pressure among peer pressure. She also had pain in, in chapter 2. The Bible basically says this. The Bible says this. It says, a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, because of this child. At the end of her life, this is what was said about her. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. So let me ask you a question. You want favor? Favor is not praying that God gives you a parking spot at Walmart and it just magically appears. Or that you're going to win the lottery. Or that your crops won't uh, die or your pigs won't die. Favor is, I am going to surrender my life to Jesus and with all the stuff that comes with it. Imagine the shame Mary felt when she started showing. If you've ever been pregnant out of wedlock, imagine what this county, the shame this county shows upon you. Imagine being Mary. Imagine being Mary, carrying the Son of God, who it was a miraculous conception, and all the chatter that never ended in her entire life. Even at the cross, when her son... See, the, the, the child that she birthed was going to die a horrific death. How many, Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. Facebook, all you watching on Facebook, how many of you want favor? Do you really want favor? At the end of this service, I'm going to ask you to surrender your life to the sovereign will of God in your life. Do you really want it? If not, don't pray. Mary would probably stand here and say, half of you couldn't go through what I went through anyway. Highly favored one. Now notice, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Look at the words, you will conceive. That has nothing to do with Joseph. If you'll notice, it's not going to be on the screen. Notice verse 35. And the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest. Look at the word overshadow. You know how that word's used in the Hebrew? The word in the Hebrew is the same word used in Genesis 2 where it says, The Spirit of God hovered over the waters to create what we have. It's used in Exodus 40 where it says that God filled the tabernacle with His glory and the glory cloud covered the, the tabernacle. What God is saying is something more miraculous, Mary, is happening in your womb. We're going to create a baby. The Son of God coming from heaven is going to be created in your womb and you're going to give birth to him. What an amazing, an amazing statement. Mary's life changed forever. Listen to this. Christ's birth was ordinary in that it was in an obscure town to an obscure person, but extraordinary in that it was brought about by the Holy Spirit. Christianity fails without a virgin birth. And aren't you thankful that a doctor's writing this, Dr. Luke, who knew all about it? And Dr. Luke is saying this. This is a miraculous birth. you got to have faith in the virgin birth. She bore the shame of that, of that, of that birth, uh, pregnancy to give birth to Jesus. Imagine what she went through. The third person we're going to look at is the baby who is God in flesh. Notice verse 31 through 33 real quickly. Notice what Gabriel says. He'll be called Jesus. We looked at this name two weeks ago, which means Jehovah saves or Jehovah surely will save. Or, or God is going to save his people. God will save. That's what it means. It, what it means is this, is that Jesus is the only Savior, which means this, once again, and I'm being arrogant, all other religions are wrong. They're wrong. 
Jesus Christ alone is the Savior of the world. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords alone. Faith in Christ alone saves. Being a Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, whatever you want to mention does not save you. Faith in the resurrected Christ saves alone. Alone. His name will be Jesus. There is salvation in no other name. They're worshiping Jesus in heaven right now. Nobody else. He's not sharing the throne. There's nobody in second, third, or fourth place. It's just Jesus. Then notice what else. He will be great. What an understatement. That word great, I love how John MacArthur put it. It says he will be great. It means he will manifest glory. He will manifest the very glory of God to say, that is to say, you will see the attributes of God through his perfectly righteous life. You'll see God displayed. He will talk like God. He'll act like God. He'll think like God. He'll be great like God is great. He'll be glorious. We're going to see God in every picture of Christ's life. God's thoughts, God's words, God's actions, God's responses, God's goodness, God's wisdom, God's omnipresence, God's omniscience. We're going to see it all revealed in this child. What would God do? Just look at Jesus' life. When I wonder what God would do in a certain situation, I just go to the Gospels. Jesus did this. He's God in flesh. That's what God would do. How does Jesus feel about this topic? Just read the Gospels. He will be great. He's going to be God in flesh and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Most High means there's nobody higher. That was the title for God that the Jews understood. As a matter of fact, the Greek word here, the Hebrew equivalent, means this. El Elyon, God Most High. It's a name for God that refers to sovereignty. No one is higher. No one is more exalted. No one is more powerful. No one is a sovereign God Most High. The Most High in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 32.8 says, The Most High divided to the nations their inheritance. He controls nations. Four times in Daniel's prophecy, whenever God was speaking, it said the Most High rules in the earth and gives the kingdoms of men to whomever He will. Do you understand that? That God is sovereign. If God was sovereign over Babylon, Assyria, Rome... Israel, he's sovereign over America. He is sovereign. God gives the kingdoms of the world to whomever he wishes. He's the most high. Jesus will be the son of the highest. The most high, the Bible says, controls nature, controls the weather. He even controls the unrighteous. The, the, the psalmist says, sing praise to the most high for the reason that he is sovereign over the unrighteous. A.W. Pink said, the title then sums up all the elements of sovereignty of God. He is sovereign in every dimension possible. Sovereign over nations, sovereign over nature, sovereign over the unrighteous, over the righteous, sovereign over the people he has redeemed, and sovereign over all that is evil and all that is good. That is to say, he is the most high. There is none as high as he is. He is God above any other small gods. G, and they don't even come into comparison. They're not even on the map. Your son will be great. He'll be the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, which means this. He will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. His kingdom will have no end. Rome's reign ended. All the kings died and are buried. Egypt's reign ended. Assyria's reign ended. Babylon's reign ended. All reigns end. Jesus' reign will never end. Imagine this. When you die, Jesus sets up his kingdom on this earth the government will be good the government will be godly the government will be just America has never seen a government like that 
totally. Think about this. It's going to be right. Everything will be right. It will be good. It will be just. Why? Because His reign will never end. Are you, my friend, in the kingdom of God? Are you? Do you have a king? Because the king is coming back. And he's going to set up his throne on this planet and rule forever. Look. And he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom. There will be no end. That is a promise forever. You have a good God. You have a good Savior. And you're going to live in a great kingdom. His reign. Now the third thing we see here, and I'm going to hurry, is this. The third thing I see here is you. I see you and God's will for your life. Notice verse 38. Now think about this. 12, 13, or 14 years old. Her life is forever changing. In most of her life, there's going to be shame and suffering. you got to understand that. You know, you see this, there's joy in a baby, but Mary's life, it was shame and suffering for the most part from that point on. I'm sure she had a lot of good days, enjoyed time with Jesus, but this woman's life changed forever. And she, she shows up, an angel shows up and asks her a question, and then she answers in verse 38, she says this, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, you're sovereign. I, I, I'm a servant of God. Let it be according to your word. There was no choir singing. There was no invitation. The, the angel did not try to work her up with a sad story or a cool song. She said, yes. Think about that. You know how long it took me to surrender to ministry? Years. Mary said, yes. Yes. Are you willing to surrender your life to the sovereignty of God and His plan in your life? That's that quick. Don't, you say, well, let me pray about it. When people, when people tell me they're going to pray about something, I'm like, you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. The angel came to get Mary and she said, I ain't praying about it. Yes. I believe you. Yes. 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 Do you trust God's will for your life? When I surrendered my life to the Lord, apart from salvation for ministry... I didn't know what tomorrow looked like. had no idea. I didn't know where I would end up. I didn't know if I'd be living in Alexander County. I didn't know if I'd be living in the United States of America. But one, one day in a church service, I said, yes. Whatever it looks like, Lord, yes. Are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to say yes? I would encourage you, the moral of this story is to say yes to Jesus. Okay, And also understand this, my friends. Sharon talked about the candy cane and sharing the gospel. You have the only good news the world needs to hear. Just as Nazareth in Galilee was a dark place, so much so that the Isaiah prophesied about it 700 years before the birth of Christ, says the most irreligious place in Israel, that you have the message to take to the dark places. I've talked to drug addicts. Oh, plenty. And this is what I said. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. I've talked to some of the wisest, intelligent, wealthiest people in this community who made a mess of their life. And I said, look to Jesus. I've been to our jail and our prisons and talked to some people that's done some bad stuff. Amen, Scotty. Some bad stuff. You know what my, my, my uh, advice to them is? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. 
And I don't know where you are in your, in your life today, but look to Jesus. If you're lost, you need Jesus. You, the only hope for your salvation is Jesus. And if you're saved today, we're all at different places, are we not? What a year 2020's been. But you know who's sovereign over 2020? Jesus. Regardless of what tomorrow holds, I'm going to hold Jesus' hand. I'm following Jesus and I'm going to trust Jesus. Do you trust Him? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. And then after I pray, nobody leave. But if you're a Christian today, say yes to Jesus. Just say yes to Jesus. Yes, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Lord, I don't know what my life's going to look like 10 years from now. But I trust you with my life and I want to say yes to your will for my life. And then, Christian, listen, God is the Most High. Jesus is the Son of the Most High. He is sovereign. I don't know what you're going through right now, but just trust Jesus. Trust Him. Jesus, I trust you. It's amazing how we trust Jesus with our salvation, but we will not trust Him with our situations and circumstances. Trust Him. Then if you're here today and you never placed your faith and trust in Christ, I would encourage you to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus for salvation alone. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I promise you, you'll be saved. Jesus' name means the Jehovah will surely save. Father, we thank you for this announcement that Gabriel gave this young girl. Father, we're indebted to her um, example. But Lord, we worship Jesus. He's our only hope. We pray to Jesus. We serve Jesus. We place our faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together. Amen. Was Azaria here? I'm going to ask Azaria to come up. Azaria uh, and Daniel are from the Hidnot Family Campground and she wanted to come and thank uh, this church for how that uh, we've extended help to her. And I really appreciate uh, Azaria and Daniel. Will you raise your hand? Can't see with all these lights. And uh, that, he's, he's back there with Daniel. All right, Lily, you can come up here with us if you want to. She don't know what she wants to do. It's all right. But Azaria is going to come, and she wants to come, and you can come speak. It's fine. Courtney, if you want to come with me. Um, let me see here. Guys, can you use this mic? I'm not sure what number this one is. I don't know if I know how to cut this one. Check one, check one. Is this on? Okay, it's on. I'm going to cut mine off. There you go, sorry. Thank you. Time is a gift we take for granted. On November 12th, I woke up trapped in my camper with everything I owned being destroyed and swept away. In front of me, with it, nearly me and my family's lives. Everything had happened so unnaturally fast in the pitch black of the early hours of the morning. There was no way to prepare for something so far unhinged from reality, which still feels so unreal. There was nothing that was too heavy or that was too gigantic that the water couldn't quickly destroy, quickly drag away and swallow. That water was a beast and me and my children were its prey. 
Though I walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. After some time of hysterical creaming and anger, this verse came to me. I prayed to God to comfort my children in their final minutes and forgiveness for my sins. I prayed God would keep my neighbors beside me from dying. In that helplessness, I found God's comfort. When we had been rescued and put on the bus to come to East Taylorsville Baptist Church, my stomach was turning and I was feeling the same fear that I had felt in my gut when I was aged out of foster care and DSS dropped me off on the street. I could hear people on the bus crying about having no place else to go and crying and praying for the rescuers to find their friends and family. When we walked into this church that morning, we were freezing cold, soaked, wet, covered in mud. Me and my children barefoot and my eight-month-old son completely naked. I was homeless in winter with absolutely nothing and two young children. In that helplessness, I found God's comfort. Pastor Jamie Steele, nor anybody a part of the East Taylorsville Baptist Church, was obligated to do anything to advocate for us through the community and go above and beyond to save multiple families from homelessness. I am above and beyond grateful to this church and Alexander County. Thank you for everything that you have done for all of the Hiddenite family flood victims. Thank you for saving me and my family's lives from homelessness. Thank you to everyone that this can possibly reach. I gained a new perspective on life to fully Live your life before it's gone at any moment and patiently trust in God. The important thing in life is your life and the time that you have with your family. I can never say thank you enough for everything East Taylorsville Baptist Church has done for everybody and is continuing to do for the Hiddenite flood victims needs. Thank you and God bless Pastor Jamie Steele. Thank you. Let's give Zara and Daniel a big hand. Thank you, Zara. I love you. God bless you. A lot of you may or may not know that Azari and Daniel is one of the families that we um, have uh, kind of partnered with. We call it adopted. And Robbie Flowers is in the back. Robbie, if you'll just raise your hand. Stand up. Thank you so much, Robbie. We love you, and we, we, uh, we love you, brother. And one day I want Robbie to share some of his story. It's, it's just very touching. But thank you, church. <clears throat> you know, the money you gave and the community has given is the only hope these families have had. When I say there's no other help, there's no other help. So thank you so much. Uh, we've tried our best to help 22 families. 
That's, that's been a, an enormous uh, load on your church staff. Uh, we want to thank DSS for helping us. And all the sponsoring churches, I love you. You know, somebody asked me about Alexander County, and I said, well, if, if you lose something in the middle of the night, you can count on the churches in Alexander County helping you. You may not be able to count on anybody else, but the churches in Alexander County will help you. So I just want to thank all these churches, Samaritan's Purse. The Mobile Cafe has been wonderful. They're excellent. If you have a chance to support them, you should do that. But thank you guys so much. And listen, it's easy to look at a web page and see a fund or something. These are real people. Real people. We're still trying to find permanent housing okay, for most of these families. So you help me pray for them. It's Christmas. And some of these folks, well, literally all of them have lost everything. And more than that, friends, neighbors, uh, children, grandchildren, okay? But thank you once again. I'm honored to be your pastor. This is the only church I'll ever pastor, and I'm honored to pastor this church. And during times like this, thank you so much. I love you. God bless you. I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. I want you to go by and say hey to Daniel Nazaria.